You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We are in part three, I think, on Psalms of Ascents. The songs for the journey, the whole idea that when you go on a journey, usually you sing songs. And we're looking at Psalm 120 up to Psalm 134, which is famously the Psalms of Ascent, the songs that were sung by the pilgrims in Israel when they were making their way to Jerusalem for one of the three annual festivals. It's really uh, identifying this whole idea. It's really an understanding that the Bible is a conversation about home. The idea that we start in the heart of God, humanity with God, and then Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden because of sin. And then it's about a reconciliation of relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, culminating in Revelation 21, that says God's dwelling place is now among His people. It's all about home. And Psalm 21, 121 really picks up on this idea of home and the journey that we are all on. You know, while I was preparing for the message this morning, I was reflecting on certain times in my neighbourhood when I was a child and I would get into trouble. When I got into trouble, I knew where to go. I was kind of always in trouble, not because I was deliberately malicious, but because Back when I was a child, we didn't have computers and all the indoor stuff that we had. So we had to make up games like climbing trees and jumping from one tree to the next. You know, there was no health and safety reports when I was a child, when we were making our BMX um, ramps and we would land face first on the gravel and, and, and you know, get up and run to our mum because our face was bleeding. Uh, the things we got up to, making bolt bombs, lighting fires, Just things that would happen just because we were kids, learning how to play, not hiding indoors, but learning what it was to have adventures, uh, learning to do different things. And I remember the day came when I knocked down my neighbour's fence between our house and his house by mistake. It wasn't my fault. I threw a spear, a javelin, and the javelin happened to hit the fence and it destroyed the whole panel on my next door neighbour's fence. And then I heard Jimmy before I saw him as my next door neighbour came out screaming and swearing. I was a good Christian kid. I hadn't heard any of these words before, but I remember thinking mental note, look that word up in the dictionary later. And I ran into the house and I hid behind my dad and my dad said, what'd you do? I said, you'll find out. As my neighbour came in trying to, you know, throttle me because, you know, not only had I burnt down the side of his house one day and smashed four of his windows and, and done other things, now I'd broken his property again. And Dad, thankfully, was there for me. You see, a child knows when to go, where to go when they're in trouble. And my question is this for you adults is, where do you go when you're in trouble? What's your default setting? Do you run to your particular skill set? Is it a, a, a friend, a family member that maybe you run to? Maybe you run to money or maybe your, your default setting is that you work harder in order to achieve more, in order to have a greater measure of self-esteem. 
Well, I wanna encourage you in this faith community in the Church of God to not have those things as your default setting, but to ensure that God, come on everybody, that God is your default setting, that He becomes the first person, the first person that we respond to in times of crisis. Who do you run to when you need help? That's what Psalm 121 is about. Let me give you the context. The pilgrim is travelling from his and her village in the Middle East, in Israel, to go to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, of tabernacles, going to the, the third one, which I've forgotten crazily, the Feast of Pentecost. And, and, and three times a year, they would go to this festival or feast. It's a new word, I'm calling it festival. You like that? Food, people, party, fun, worship, they're going to a festival. And on their way to festival, they would journey for many days, sometimes up to weeks in order to get there. If ever you have the opportunity to come on a tour of Israel with me sometime, we'll take you all the way out to different parts of Israel and you'll get to see the landscape and you'll begin to understand how perilous the journey was. But it would take days and days for the families to get organised in order to go on these trips, these journeys to Jerusalem. You think about how long it takes you to get ready for holidays in a modern day. These people are packing their donkeys and camels and having to get water from the wells. They're having to do everything. The children are so excited about another festival, good word, in Jerusalem. There's excitement, there's joy, there's happiness, there's anticipation. But in the midst of there, there's a little bit of angst, a little bit of anxiety because the pilgrim knows that the journey is dangerous. It's dangerous because of wild animals. It's dangerous because of robbers and bandits. It's dangerous because of the weather. The sun by day, Psalm 121 says, and the moon by night. There was danger amongst the journey. And you can imagine with me maybe that you are travelling with your family. In fact, a whole heap of people from your village, your town are travelling together for safety purposes. At night, you would, like in the Wild West, circle the wagons to protect your family. And here you are now on the final night's travel. It's the final night before you take the ascent up into Jerusalem. You're camped there in, in the Kidron Valley that runs down the side of Jerusalem. It's still there today and you're camped and in the distance, you can see the walls of Jerusalem. In the distance on the hills, you can see that's where you're heading. One more day, but now you are camped. It is the darkness before the day. It is the valley before the breakthrough. And there's a sense of joy but you heard that this time last night, the pilgrim caravan in front of you had been attacked. And you don't know what took place, but the fear, the message goes through the family. And so there you are as the pilgrim. You hear the anxiety, you hear the anticipation, the worry and the fear is increasing. And so at this point, the pilgrim would sing a psalm. And they would sing the Psalm to remind them of God in the midst of the journey. Now church, you are that pilgrim. 
When you read Psalm 120 to 134, don't just read about someone 3,000 years ago on a journey. Put yourself there. You are the journey. You are the, the pilgrim. Eugene Peterson said this, the trip, the journey to Jerusalem, acted out a life, lived upward towards God, an existence that advanced from one level to another in deepening maturity. It's a picture, friends, of our journey with Jesus, going from strength to strength, advancing and maturing, not being a Christian people who are static, dwindling, and fading backwards. No, we are on a journey. Now, for the pilgrim, it was a journey to Jerusalem. But for you and I, it is a journey to the face of God, to the moment where we are face to face with Him. It's a journey for us to fulfil purpose and destiny, but a journey that ultimately leads us into the presence of God. And I wonder today, what are the desires of your heart? What is it you're believing for? For some of you in this place, you are believing for more money. That is your goal. You are a wealth creator and you feel that God has put it upon your heart to be a wealth creator, not just for yourself, but for the Kingdom of God. For others, you're on a journey of academia. For others, it's a, it's a journey of status, increased influence. For others in the room, it could be a journey just seeking for joy and peace. But we are all on a journey. But friends, just like the pilgrim in Psalm 121, there will always be a valley before you make that ascent to the place that you know that you are destined to be. There's always a valley before the storm. And it's on that context that we read Psalm 121. In the valley, in the Kidron Valley, the night before the ascent, the Psalmist would sing. I lift up my eyes to the hills, the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel, the nation, the people will neither sleep, slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen. Church, I wanna say a few things that the Psalmist is highlighting for you on this journey of life right now. And the first thing I want you to know is that He is qualified. God is qualified. He is qualified to be your help in times and seasons like this. I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt underqualified. Have you ever felt that? You felt like, man, I am the wrong person. I am the wrong person in this moment right now. You ever looked around and thought, I am underqualified? We have somebody in our church who formerly used to be an actor and they were invited to come to an audition. And part of the audition meant they had to wear lycra trousers and no top. And so he took off his top and there he is in lycra trousers, just showing his bare belly, his bare chest. And there were two people who were going for the role. This gentleman in our church and the other person was Mr. Abs UK. And he said, when I took off my shirt, and I saw the, um, 
the Nando's. And then I looked next to me and I saw Mr. Abs UK. He said, I felt underqualified. And I knew that I wasn't, you ever felt underqualified? I mean, it's one thing to feel underqualified in an examination where it's just you and the paper and the examiner gets to see, but to ever felt uh, underqualified publicly in front of others and you feel like saying, don't look at me. You feel like shrinking back. 10 years ago, I was with Sparky. Sparky's over, where's Sparky? Over there. And we went to the Albert Hall. And I had the honour of preaching at a leadership convention, five and a half thousand people in the Albert Hall. And I was quite excited about this opportunity to meet some new people, to speak in the Albert Hall. And uh, the problem is this, is when I arrived, they said, oh, have you seen the Leadership Conference app? I said, no, I downloaded the app. I had a look, I scrolled through it. You know, it's kind of like you when there's a group photo, you look to see how good you look. Am I right? You know, if your head's cut off or you've got a funky smile or you know, you're dribbling or your eyes are half closed, your summary is this, that photo is terrible. Everybody else may look great, but you look terrible. So I'm looking through the app to see where my name is, where I'm speaking on the agenda. And, and it's a leadership conference. And I stop and realise the speaker before me is Pastor Rick Warren. Now, if you don't know Rick Warren, he wrote, wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life and The Purpose Driven Church. So what, sold tens of millions of albums, so uh, books. So he's speaking before me. I'm thinking, wow, okay. The speaker after me at that time was uh, the former Prime Minister, Tony Blair. And sandwiched in the middle was me. And I thought to myself, man, I feel way underqualified with this particular lineup to be the sandwich in the middle. I'm the ham in the sandwich, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and I'm not too sure if anybody really wants to taste this, ever felt underqualified. Listen to this, Colossians 1.16, For in Him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. And He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, come on, and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, He may have the supremacy. Supremacy. Do you know what supremacy means? It means this, greatest in rank, greatest in authority, greatest in level, the greatest in position, the greatest in importance. Jesus is literally the goat. He is the greatest of all time. Lionel Messi, step aside, sir. You're the greatest maybe at football, but you've never done what our Saviour's done. You've never done what Jesus has done. And I'm here to tell you, church, that God's got a track record. That if you don't believe in your future, at least look at Jesus' past. At least look at what He's accomplished, what He's done, what He's doing. And when you begin to focus on what He's done and He's doing, it begins to give you a little bit of hope for what's about to happen. I'm here to tell you, He creates the heavens and the earth. He is the greatest. He puts, He's greater than any power, any principality. Come on, any title, any authority. You may be sick in your body. You may not have hope for your healing. I want you to know He raises the dead. He's healed the sick. He opens blind eyes. He heals the deaf. I want you to know when you don't know what to do, look at the evidence. Because the evidence lets you know what ballpark you're playing in. I'm a lifelong Manchester City fan. You know that. My first season ticket was when I was 15. 
I've been all the way to Grimsby to watch Manchester City lose 3-0 to Grimsby on a Halloween night in the cold. I've seen us lose against Doncaster. I've seen us lose against Rotherham. I've seen all sorts of things happen. And even though the last 10 years have been amazing, even though we played a Burnley last night, I was fully expecting for us to lose 6-0. Why? Because that's kind of the ballpark that City have been playing in during my lifetime. Up and down and in and out and always expecting the worst of the worst. We could be 6-0 ahead like we were last night and 89 minutes, but I'm still expecting we're gonna lose 7-6. Because that's the ballpark, that's the track record historically. But I want you to know that He is the greatest of all time. That one of the reasons why the Psalmist is saying you can look to God is because He's the greatest. He, he's got the track record. He is supreme in all things. Would you stand to your feet, everybody across this place? Isaiah 55 verse nine says this, The Lord is our help. He's greater than anything we face. He's the one we can look up to. He pulls us to a higher perspective. Now, I don't know if you've lost trust in the, in the government or not. I don't know if you have faith and confidence in the economy or not. I don't know if your health is waxing or waning or not. But what I do know is there's someone who has all the authority. He has all the supremacy. He is the greatest. He has a track record. So come on, let's give Him a shout of praise in this place. Come on, come on, let's give Him a shout of praise. Oh, wait a minute. You are so boring. Whatever happened to Audacious Church? I remember when the mosh pit, sorry, praise pit for insurance purposes. I remember when it didn't stop here. I remember once upon a time when I went to the back. I remember when I went to the sides because I remember a time where we would come to church being aware of crisis, being aware of a valley, but remembering who we worship, who we worship. Oh, come on. Do you remember what He did for you? What did He do for you? What did He do for you? What did He do for you? Come on, what did He do for you? Oh, you are so English. You are so English. And some of you people who've come from other countries, you're so English. Oh, bravo, Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? Come on, let's give Him praise. Give Him praise, give Him praise. Oh. See, some of you, what happens is this. Some of us, our default setting is Jay-Z or Drake or like Pastor Joel, Spice Girls. Instead of having the default setting, my help comes from the Lord. We're gonna do a song that the youth do on a Friday night. Now, let me tell you two things about this song. One, it's written by a friend. Number two, the graphics that are coming up on screen are written by pastor, produced by Pastor Neil's son. The song is called Praise Over Problems. Praise Over Problems. And really what it is, is a modern day interpretation of Psalm 121, okay? So where are my young people tonight? Where are my young people? Come on, come on. We're gonna do this. Don't sit down. Let's stand, let's praise. And then we're gonna finish Psalm 121. Let's do it. Problems. I think my God is 
what you're running to. I don't know what the soundtrack is in your mind, but in the mornings I wake up, so often say to me, what are you singing today? What soundtrack are you going into with today? I want you to know, church, he's qualified. And you may not like styles of music, that's completely irrelevant. 
because we're not worshipping a style. And it's not the style that counts, but what is important is the passion and the heart with which we bring. Why don't you just stay standing for this moment across this place? Because I want you to know that He's qualified. Just where you're standing, I want you to know He's also close. He's a God who's close. The Bible says, Psalm 121, He won't let your foot slip. He watches over you. He's your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. He's close. A few years ago, I saved somebody from drowning. He was drowning. Now, it was my fault he was drowning. We were somewhere off an island in Greece and I said to this friend of mine, Mark Watterson, who's a solicitor, I said to Mark, come on, Mark, let, let's swim from the island to the shore. He said, Pastor Glenn, I, I, I can't swim. So that's okay. You can doggy paddle. He said, I can doggy paddle. I said, that'll be enough. You doggy paddle, I'll stay with you. So he started to doggy paddle. He's doing so well. It's probably about 100 feet from the island, from where we are to, to where he needs to go. He's dog paddling, right? Dog paddling doesn't look pretty, but his head's above water. And then I made the mistake of cracking a joke. And when I told him the joke, he started to laugh. And when he started to laugh, he started to drown. I started and, uh, and I rescued him. Come on, everybody. I've rescued somebody who's drowning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. I am a hero. I was close enough to do it. I was close enough to be there. And I want you to know He's closer than you realise. He's, he's with you. He's, he's close enough to protect you. He's close enough to catch you. This is crazy, right? It says, the sun won't harm me by night, nor the moon by night. Moon by night, that's weird. Moon, the word lunar. From the word lunar, we get the word lunacy. Did you know He can save you from the craziness of your own thinking? He saves me all the time from my crazy thinking. Just... I'm thinking, I'm thinking runaway thoughts. He, these thoughts are out of control. He's close, He's watching. And I wanna finish with this. That not only is he, is he qualified and not only is He close, but He's a constant. He who watches over you won't slumber. He'll neither slumber nor sleep. He'll keep you from all harm. He'll watch over you. The Lord will watch over you. You're coming and going both now and forevermore. He is constant. He's constant. And I want you to know, friends, that He doesn't have a bad day, have a bad hair day. He never has a moment. He's not like the Rubik's Cube in one moment, out the next. Remember Tamagotchi? Tamagotchi in moment, out the next. Remember the ice bucket challenge? Planking, all these things. Prime energy drink, prime, what is that stuff? Just chemicals in a bottle that you guys are buying and drinking and because you, you millennials are out of control. But, but, but it's in one moment, out the next, but He's, he's constant, He's constant. He won't let you down. Hebrews 13, 18, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. Do you know there's a young woman who my daughter grew up with in this church who kind of in, in her teenage years has just gone, just gone off, just gone, gone wild, gone to another part of the UK, living, living wild and actually came back to Manchester a few weeks ago and went up to my daughter and said, oh, you're still here in church, are you? And my, wife, my daughter came home just like, oh. and I said, baby, that's one of the greatest compliments that you can be given. Constant in your journey, constant in your faithfulness, in your followership of our Saviour on this pilgrim's journey. Listen, there's James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So friends, I don't know what you think is going on in your life. In those times of isolation, in the times of the valley when anxiety is increasing, change your playlist, praise over problems putting God on the throne. He's the greatest of all time because your God 
is watching. He's with you. It took my wife six months to convince me to allow my daughter to catch the train to school when she was little. Six months. And in the end, Sophie won, she always does. And so my daughter got permission by her father to walk to the train station to catch the train. And my wife's like, ah, she'll be fine. In fact, when she was five, my wife would have said, go on, she can do it, off she goes. And now this one day comes sort of towards, I don't know, the end of primary school, second last year of primary, something like that. And my daughter put a backpack on and a uniform, going to St. Michael's Primary School in Flixton. She started walking to the train station and she was excited, my wife was excited, but Daddy wasn't too excited. But what my daughter doesn't know and probably still doesn't know to this day is that while my daughter was walking, 100 yards behind, hiding in the shadows. I can say this because she's in Chester this morning, was Daddy. A few times she looked around, I hid in a doorway, hid behind some hedges, hid behind some parked cars and followed her all the way to the train station, where on the first week I also joined the train, but two carriages back to make sure that she got there safely. Listen, I want you to know, turn around everybody, turn around, turn around. He's watching. Come on, let's give the greatest of all time a shout of praise. Thank you for listening to this audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 